Welcome to the Laura Mayer Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join me today. I've missed you guys over these last couple of weeks while I've been traveling and had to hit the pause button on my podcasting, but so excited uh, to be back today, and I'm excited about what it, what I've got to share with y'all. This is a topic that when I first learned about it really set me free in a lot of, in a lot of areas, especially in in that area of of mental torment, trying to figure out the why behind everything. Now, I'm not going to act like on this podcast, I'm going to answer every single one of your whys, every question you've possibly got in your life, because I do believe that we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing, there's things I understand today that I didn't understand yesterday, and things I'll understand tomorrow, and I know you're the same way, so we're constantly growing, constantly um, understanding more, understanding more about the Word, understanding more about all kinds of things, but there are some things that we can be pretty clear about right now. And I've learned that when I'm facing things that I don't know, I pull back to what I do know. Pull back to the knowns. Plant your feet there. Let that be your foundation that you view, you know, whatever else it is going on in your life through. Let it let it be the lenses you view things through. So today I want to share with you three reasons why storms come in our lives. When I first heard this teaching years ago from my pastor, it really set me free in a lot of areas, and I know it's going to do the same for you. And every now and then the Lord will bring it up in a teaching that I do, and um, it came up over the, the last couple of weeks in a conference. And, and then I just kept thinking, you know what, I really need to share this on the podcast, so let's just dive in. I don't know about you, but like I opened with, there's been a lot of anxiety in my life that has come from wanting to know the why behind things. If you've grown up, um, maybe in the traditional background that I did when in my younger years, so many things in our lives are just chalked up to, well, must be the will of God. God's all sovereign. God's all controlling. God, you know, if it happened, it must be his will. It must be his will if it happens. But then you hear those same people who um, maybe when something terrible happens in their lives, you know, they're asking everybody to pray, pray for healing, pray for restoration, pray for whatever's going on. Well, then that's really confusing because if God caused it to happen, then why are you praying for it to go away? Are you praying against his will? So then we contradict ourselves. Our tradition contradicts itself. And tradition is one of those things that does that. You know, tradition comes about oftentimes when things happen in our lives that we can't quite make sense of at that moment. Maybe we don't know how to fit it in a perfect little box that we can control. So then we build a teaching around it. We build some kind of a man-made doctrine around it to help it make more sense to our minds. And, you know, that can be really dangerous. If our doctrine is not rooted in the Word of God and we see it, you know, I really like before before I really establish myself in something, I really like to see it a couple, of, maybe even three times in the Word to make sure that it, this is truly a theme. This is truly conveying the heart of my Heavenly Father. If I see something written in the Word and it just really seems to be out of character of God, I pull back and I, I do some digging and I do some searching and I, I try to, you know, kind of look and see, you know, maybe it was that maybe there was a word that was translated differently. And, you know, I have found some places like that to where you pull back and you measure it against the entire word of God to see 
is this really conveying the truth that God's, you know, wanting it to convey? Or maybe it's taken out of context or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, also, another thing is who is the Bible talking to in a, in a moment where there may be a teaching that doesn't quite make sense? Pull back and go, wait, who's he talking to right here? And so that'll also help bring some understanding. But when I learned the three, three different storms that we see in the Word of God, this is not an all-conclusive list, but gosh, it does cover a whole lot. Um, of thing, times in the Word of God where bad things were happening, and they were happening for different reasons. And depending on the reason or maybe the source of the storm determined how the person in the story reacted to the storm. So where it came from, the source of it, determined the fix for it. So before we get into those, I want to make one more statement that I believe Satan has done a really good job of letting God take the fall for things that truly he has done. Because what happens when when God takes the fall for things that Satan is truly responsible for, what it does is it distances our heart from our only true source of help. We pull away because we're designed to pull away from someone or something that's not safe. And so we pull away from God when we blame him for the things that the devil is at is responsible for and we draw away from God because we start misjudging his character. I love John 10:10. 10, 10. In my life, I call this kind of like my line in the sand. It's it's my line. It's where my standard is and it's very clear to me when things happen what side of the, of the line that they're on. That um John 10:10 10, 10 says it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy but that I have come, talking about Jesus, to bring life and life more abundantly. So it's easy to assume here that the thief is talking, referring to Satan, or it may just be talking about things that are, um, you know, products of his. So really, when you boil it back down, everything bad and evil comes from Satan, is, is what it's saying here. At its root, if it steals, kills, and destroys it's either directly or indirectly caused by the devil or caused, you know, by living in this fallen world because Satan is the God of this world. Adam and Eve turned over those legal, that legal right to him. But thank God that because of Jesus, we now get to live under a new legal system. Even though we're living in the world, we're not having to be of the world. We live under a new legal system provided by Jesus. So when it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes, Jesus comes to bring life and life more abundantly. If it's stealing, killing, or destroying in my life, I firmly plant that thing on the side of Team Satan. No ifs, ands, buts about it. If it is bringing life and life more abundantly, it is firmly planted on the side of Team Jesus. No ifs, ands, buts about it. There's my line. I don't cross it. I stand by it. And I, you see it consistently in the Word of God when you're viewing the Word with you know the whole counsel of the Word of God and not just nitpicking one verse out here and there. So the three storms I want to share with you. The first one is Jonah's storm. Jonah, um, the st- his story can be found in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. And it's a story where God had told him to go and to preach to the people in Nineveh, to go and preach to them. And Jonah didn't want to do it. He did not at all. And so he went and he turned the other way. 
And he decided to get on a ship and go sailing in the opposite direction of where God had told him. And the Bible says that a huge storm came up. The word there, I believe, is tempest, which for our translation would be like a hurricane, a huge storm. And it was so out of character for this season, I'm assuming, would be the reason why the people on the boat started questioning and saying, who's made God mad? Like, this is really out of character. This is a crazy storm. There's got to be a reason behind this. You know, disobedience causes all kinds of things to happen in our lives. What it does is it gets us out of the protection of God's covenant. And you've got to remember, too, this story is found in the Old Testament before the new covenant came um, of Jesus that was provided for by Jesus. So... I like to interject here in this story. My mom often explained it to us growing up that um, what disobedience does. And, you know, when you're under the umbrella of standing in right standing with God and um, obeying him, it's like you're standing under the umbrella. And it could be raining all around, but you're not going to get wet because you are obeying God. Um, And so there is a level of protection that's there. For, for things like Satan, uh, he's got to back off. But when we get out and we get in deliberate disobedience, we're the ones that choose to step out from underneath that umbrella of protection. God's not the one that moved his umbrella. You know, it's not right for us to shake our fist at him when we know that we did something that we are not supposed to be doing. And it's not that he's being punitive and so angry at us. He ripped his umbrella away to teach us a lesson. No, he's saying, I've got the umbrella out. Stay in me. Stay under my protection. Walk with me. I will show you where your feet need to go. I will show you what you need to do because I see traps coming in the future that you don't know about, that you don't see. So stay under my umbrella. So Jonah had walked away from God. He'd gotten into disobedience. And so then that storm came up. They threw him overboard. And God sent a giant fish, whether it was a whale or just a really big fish. It had to be big enough to swallow a man. And, you know, if I was in the belly of a fish, I would view it as punishment. But years ago, I realized this was God protecting Jonah. God sent that fish that even in Jonah's disobedience, it's like God sent a life raft to him in the form of a whale because God's love is that never ending and that never stopping. He sent the whale to act as a protection for Jonah. Now, was it pleasant? Nope. Did Jonah enjoy being in the whale? Nope. But God sent that whale to protect him and to give him another chance to obey. I'm so glad for all the chances that the Lord has given me to obey. And so Jonah got his heart right. The whale spit him up on dry land. And the Bible said that he went on to Nineveh and he did what God had told him to do. So the fix for the storms in our lives that are because of disobedience, the fix is repentance. I love the word repent. I love it. I believe it is one of the most freeing words for Christians today, for believers. Repentance means to turn away. Turn completely away. Change your mind. Change your heart from the thing that you were doing. And you know, one of the things I love the most about repentance is, It takes the devil's legal right away from stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. 
When you repent and it is washed by the blood of Jesus, it's as though it doesn't even exist anymore. Whatever it is you did, no matter how big or how small, in the courtroom of heaven, when Satan comes to be the accuser of the brethren is what the Bible calls him, when he comes to bring up your faults against you as legal grounds to have an open door in your life, you know, the Bible talks about leave, um, leave no foothold for Satan. If it's telling us not to, that means that the opposite is you can. You, you can leave a foothold for him. You can leave an open door for Satan to come and do things in your life. And it's not God just trying to allow it to be mean. We've allowed an open door. So I would, you know, charge you today to say, God, do I have any open doors? Am I letting things into my home? Am I letting things into my eyes, my ears, my words, uh, the people I'm around, the, the things I'm watching, who I'm choosing to associate with? Am I leaving open doors uh, for the devil to have a foothold? Am I giving place to Satan? And the Holy Spirit's so good, he'll show you, he'll point them out because he wants your success even more than you want your success. So the fix for that is just repent. And God has a miraculous way. I don't know how he do it, does it, y'all. I don't even know how he does it. But he has a way of getting us back on plan A for our lives. I love how my pastor says that the scenery may change. The people in your story may change because of decisions and choices you've made. But God has a way of still performing his will in your life. I don't have to know how he does it. But he just does it. When we repent and we say, here, God, take the mess. I repent of it. And I'm going to obey you and I'm going to follow what you have for my life. So the fix for the storm of disobedience is repentance. I love it, love it, love it. Um, the second storm I wanted to share about is Paul's storm, the Apostle Paul. And this story is found in Acts chapter 27, if you want to go look it up. Um, and it's verses 27. Let's see here. Verse Chapter 27, 27, and it goes all the way to chapter 28, verse 5, I believe is how I've got that written in my notes. That's confusing how I just wrote that down. But anyway, go look it up. Acts chapter 27. And Paul's storm right here, Paul was a captor, uh, a captive, rather. And he was, you know, he, gosh, Paul was in jail so many times for preaching the gospel. So many times he was held prisoner. And this was one of those times. And he had gone to the captain of the ship because he said, it's just not setting well with my spirit. It's not setting well that we set sail right now. It's not a good time to sail. He just had it in his heart. Have you ever had it in your heart that you're not supposed to do something or maybe do something else? And 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 you know it's the Lord speaking to your heart. And so you speak up and you say, oh, I just don't think this is right. You know, that's what Paul is doing. And he went to the captain of the ship. And the, the captain ignored him and said, nope, we're setting sail anyway. Well, Paul didn't have a choice. He was a prisoner. So they throw them on the boat, and they start out on their journey, and sure enough, another huge storm comes up, a tempest, a hurricane, and Paul goes down into the bow of the ship and prays and says, Lord, what do I do? You know, they're, they're up there. They're talking about throwing people overboard. They're up there talking about throwing cargo overboard. I think they may have even started throwing the cargo overboard. This is bad. And the Bible says, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul and said, you will stand before Caesar. It's the will of God that you go stand before Caesar. It's not your will to perish. Yeah, there's going to be great loss, but there will not be loss of life because I'm protecting you in the middle of this storm because I've got some more things for you to go do. 
So the cause of this storm for the Apostle Paul was other people's choices. Sometimes, gosh, you guys, it feels like we have, we're victim of things that other people choose to do or not do. Maybe you were wronged. Maybe something was done against you. Someone sinned against you. Maybe it was nothing you had anything to do with, but your life feels like it's in a spiral right now, or maybe something that's happened in your past because of things that other people did. And gosh, that can make you feel so hopeless. It can make you feel so out of control, just like the Apostle Paul surely felt in the bow of that ship saying, I I don't have control over myself right now. I'm, I'm here. You know, he was, he was suffering for the gospel's sake. You know, the, when the Bible talks about suffering, you can go and look it up. Every time it talks about suffering in the New Testament, it's talking about for the gospel's sake. The stuff that happens to our flesh for the furtherance of the gospel, us being in obedience, us walking with God, Satan's going to throw mud at us. It's just part of it. But his grace is sufficient to overcome those things, those things that Satan would try to, to bring against us to make the word of none effect in our lives. So Paul stood on what God had said to him. So that's the fix. When you're in a storm in your life because of what other people have done, you stand on the promises of God for your life. Get out of your mouth what God says about you. I've walked this one out firsthand. My family was in a massive storm in our lives for the choices that some other people had made. But we held on to what God had said, and we kept proclaiming the truth from God's word over the situation. And we kept saying, you know what? We're we're at point A. We don't know what it's going to take to get to point Z, to get from A to Z. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know how much time and money and prayers and all the things, but we know that's where we're going. We did this again uh, a similar time when um, my brother fell out of a tree and his entire face was crushed. We started declaring, God, you're good, and we know it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we stand on your word that you've promised to bring to wholeness everything that that concerns us, bring to perfection and wholeness everything that concerns us. We spoke uh, 2 Peter 2.24 out of our mouths that by the stripes of Jesus that he was healed and whole, that there would be nothing missing, nothing broken. And we kept getting the promises of God out of our mouths. And he was healed, whole, and restored. And it was a miracle. Did not have to have surgery. God did the surgery that was necessary because the x-rays showed that it needed it first. And then those second set of x-rays came in and showed that his face had already started putting itself back back together without surgery. God had done the work. So when there's storms in your life that other people cause, and you know, it's important to note here, it's not just people that directly caused these storms. You know, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and fell in the garden, um, all the effects of sin, you know, we're born with that sinful nature and we live in a fallen world. So bad things just happen. Sometimes bad things just happen because we live in this fallen world. And it's so important that you know how to get the word of God out of your mouth instead of just believing, well, God wanted this to happen. That puts you in a position to not be able to stand in faith at all. You know, if a diagnosis comes your way and you're pretty sure you think that maybe God sent it, you're not going to be in a position to pray and use your faith. Because you're going to be misjudging his character and not sure do you pray or do you embrace it? You know, let me just set you free right here. God will never send anything on you that he sent Jesus to take off of you. 
He is not confused. He is not mentally ill. There is nothing sick about our God. He's, he's healing. The Bible says there's healing in his wings. So he doesn't play good guy one day and sinister evil God that puts cancer on people the next day. He doesn't work in cahoots with the devil. They're not teammates. They're not even equals. So it's important that you stay on God's side with things. So in Paul's storm, the fix for it when storms happen in your lives that other people cause or that you live in this fallen world, the fix is stand on his promises. Get the word of God out of your mouth and and have faith in, in his word. More faith in the truth of his word than the facts of the current situation. Truth will change facts every single time. The third storm and the final one I wanted to share with you today. Sometimes storms come because you are right in the middle of the will of God. You know, we see in Matthew chapter 8, again, the same account is listed in Mark chapter 4, and again in Luke chapter 8. And it's the story of Jesus and his disciples getting into the boat and Jesus saying, hey, let's go to the other side. And so they set out to go to the other side, and another huge tempest comes, another huge storm. And we already know that, gosh, Jesus was in the will of God because it was out of his own mouth that he said, hey, let's go to the other side. Because once he got to the other side, that's when he was going to lay hands on and heal that that demon-possessed, tormented man. And um, don't you know, the devil did not want him heading to the other side where that man was. And so Satan sent a storm to stop the will of God. So what do we see Jesus do? We, we see Jesus stand up, point to that storm, and say, peace, and be still. He used his authority. And then he asked the disciples why they hadn't done the same. He'd already been teaching them that he had given them the power to use his name, the power to use his authority. He said, why haven't you done this? Why'd you have to wake me up to do it? You know, I think that's so true in our own lives. Sometimes storms come in your life because you are in the middle of the will of God. And when Satan is coming at you to stop you in your tracks, the fix for this storm is to use your authority, not the authority you have on your own, the authority that has been given to you by Jesus. And he's charged you with it. You're not being prideful to speak at that storm. You're being obedient to speak at that storm. So sometimes, you know, we we misunderstand and we view storms as though, well, maybe God's trying to show me that I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't go there or I shouldn't, shouldn't, whatever. You know, it's important to have some wisdom about it. And if you're doing something the Lord told you to do and you're meeting resistance, don't you think that could be from hell? So instead of you pulling back and playing right into the devil's hand, stop and say, okay, Lord, you know, pull back and, and you talk to him and say, okay. I believe you told me to do this. Is this, did I hear correctly? Did you tell me to do this? Okay. So if I'm, re, if I'm meeting resistance in this moment, then this is the devil. And I know I've been given authority over him because you were given authority over him. You, you won it back when you died on the cross and paid for sin once and for all. So because of what you did, now I have a, the authority to use your name and I'm going to speak to this storm and command it to calm down. Guys, I've, I walk in this, I use this. Things try to hit my family. Things try to come against our finances. Things, you know, just stuff. Remembering who I belong to. And, you know, not just using it for myself. 
No, it's not just, you know, God bless me, my foreign no more. It's learning to be kingdom minded so that I can be an answer to somebody else's prayer so I can join my faith with theirs so we can push back the kingdom of darkness so we can see God's will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. Those are not prideful things. Those are obedient things to walk in what God has called you to walk in. But if the devil can convince you to shrink back every time a storm comes, thinking that either God caused it, God allowed it, or God's trying to teach you something, or maybe this is God trying to show you that you shouldn't be doing something, something, or something, then it keeps you balled up in a corner, zero threat to the enemy. And it also keeps you in a lot of mental bondage, not quite sure of the character of your God. You know, one of the prayers that I love to pray is the Ephesians 3 prayer, and we find it in verse 14 and 19. This is an amazing prayer to pray over your life and make it in first person. Don't just, you know, don't just read it and and kind of be mentally disconnected. Get it out of your mouth and, and make it in first person and pray, God, I thank you that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened, that I may know the hope of your calling, that I may know the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and your incomparable great love for those that believe. Thank you, you know, and just go into it and make it first person. Pray in this prayer when you've got a lot of decisions to make or there's things going on in your life. Is amazing how it awakens your spirit to such heavenly wisdom to be deposited into you. Where ways of tradition, uh, doctrine of men, things that are hollow and dead can fall away when he sheds light on his word for you. I hope this has helped you today. I know that this has been a tremendous blessing in my life to stop and think, okay, where is this storm coming from? Is it a storm of disobedience like Jonah's? Okay, the fix for that is to repent. Is it a storm like Paul's where it's other people's choices or the fact that I live in this fallen world? Okay, those are real storms. We don't just pretend that they're not happening. Instead, we get the truth of the word of God out of our mouths, declaring his promises. And the third one, is this like Jesus' storm where I'm right in the middle of the will of God and Satan is trying to come against me and stop me. If that's the case, I'm going to use the authority that Jesus commanded me to use. I'm not saying everything's going to be easy. I'm not saying everything's going to be just, you know, a walk in the park. It is amazing how, though, as you grow stronger in these truths, Storms of life will continue coming, but it's amazing how, you know, boats, it's been said that boats don't sink by the amount of water around them. Boats sink by the amount of water that gets in them. So the next time a storm hits your life, you're going to know what to do about it. Instead of crawling in a fetal position, wondering where God's at and wondering how in the world he could let this happen to you. Instead, you may stand and rise with a holy boldness and use your authority and watch the gates of hell be destroyed in your life and not be able to prevail against you. Thank you for joining me today for the Laura Mayer podcast. We'll see you here next week where we will continue to learn that being his means being free.